This podcast is brought to you by Fear Free, the initiative that takes the pet out of petrified and puts treat into treatment. Learn more at fearfreepets.com. This is the Fear Free Podcast Series. I'm your host, Steve Dale, and so happy to have right here Cassie Molina, who's been training people and animals. Training people, not so easy. Uh, professionally, worldwide, for over 20 years. After graduating with high distinction from Pennsylvania State University, Cassie joined the animal training team at Natural Encounters. During her 22 years with National Encounters, she produced and performed in free flight bird shows, which I'll ask you about across the country. You've been coaching pet animal caregivers independently since 2000. Cassie maintains her CPBC certification with the IABC, that's the International Association of Animal Behavior Consultants. Lots and lots of other letters after your name. So nice to meet you, Cassie. It's a pleasure to meet you, Steve. All right, so Fear Free, when you first heard about it, doing what you do with birds, mostly parrot species, I presume, why did you think, okay, this is going to be a great fit? Oh, wow, that's a great question. You, you know, for me, uh, with my background training birds in outdoor free flight situations, you know, the one thing that I learned early on is that if you don't do right by your bird, they have the ability to fly away and not come back. And that's not great for bird shows. So I learned really early on to work really hard to build trust with my birds and to make every interaction as voluntary as possible. And so for me, that fits in just perfectly with Fear Free because I'm always looking for the most positive, least intrusive, effective strategies when working with and training birds and animals. And I'm always looking to make the environment positive for them. So when we talk about parrots, we're talking about a broad spectrum of species and their yeah. personalities and their needs and their wants I presume, are vastly different. So as different as a Chihuahua is to a St. Bernard, a dog is a dog is a dog. And yes, there are absolutely differences. Canines are dogs, uh, are the most variable species on the planet, actually. Uh, cats, same thing. A domestic cat is a domestic cat, whether you have one of those interesting Bengal cats or you have a domestic short hair cat. Difference in personality, sure, between the breeds. However, a dog is a dog, a cat is a cat. A parrot isn't necessarily, so here's what I mean, a cockatoo. So different in their needs and wants than, say, a, uh, an Amazon parrot. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. You know, you touched on one of the, the main underlying tenets with all of my teachings is that I always look to the species in the wild or the type of animal in the wild to get a really good idea of their behavior and their needs. You know, even though a dog is a dog is a dog, our domestic dogs do have behaviors that are related to wild dogs, you know, being pack animals and being family oriented. And our house cats have some you know, similarities to wildcats in, you know, that they're um, not as social per se as some dogs might be, right? And so when I think about parrots, even though a cockatoo is very different from an Amazon parrot, 
there are certain similarities that are important to know and understand when you're sharing your life with a parrot. Uh, so, for example, uh, those beaks, right? We know that those beaks are little nutcrackers, right? We know they're very strong. And we know that there are things we need to provide for our birds in order to keep those beaks in top condition. Uh, parrot's beaks should never need to be manually trimmed unless there's a genetic or a uh, injury. If, if you're providing uh, the right environment for your parrot, they should be able to wear that beak and keep it in good condition naturally. Another thing is that wild parrots are rarely, if ever, alone. They're almost always with their mate or with their flock or a small family group. And that in and of itself has a lot of parallels to some of the challenges that we see with parrots that we share our homes with and some of the solutions as well. So having a better understanding of where parrots fit into the ecosystem and what that means for a parrot in your home can be really beneficial. How important is enrichment? I say for dogs and cats, it's required. Same is true, or I'd argue even more true, somehow, with parrots. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, again, thinking back to wild birds, parrots and crows and ravens, the corvids, they're considered some of the smartest animals out there. Some of the smartest animals out there. And in the wild, they're using that intelligence to problem solve and forage for their food. So when you look at parrots in your home, they have all of that intelligence. They're hardwired to do all of these amazing behaviors and, and problem solve. And so when we have them in our homes, it's really integral to be able to provide opportunities for them to use all of those behaviors as close to as they would in the wild in order to truly provide for not only their physical, but also their mental well-being. So give me some examples of some things that we can do for pet parrots, depending on the species. And also give me an example of something, maybe one species, oh gosh, they would love to do that. But another species would look at you and say, I'm not doing that. You know, that's a challenging question for me because one of the things that I do when I evaluate any behavior of any animal is I always look at it as um, a study of one. That's from Dr. Susan Friedman. She taught us that, right? So every animal is an individual. So for me to generalize, you know, what an Amazon parrot may like versus um, another parrot sometimes can be hard. But, you know, if I think about it, for example, you know, I have a parakeet. Those are little ground feeders. They're grass feeders. So he has some fake turf that I'll sprinkle some seed mix in, and he loves to forage around in the turf. If I had another type of bird, like a macaw that spends less time on the ground and more time foraging in trees, they probably wouldn't utilize that type of enrichment as well. Um, but when I think about enrichment for parrots, I think there's a lot of things that we can consider generally across all species that can be really beneficial. And it's not things that take a lot of time either. So, for example, I think about their living space. I think about where they spend a majority of their lives and how can we make that space the most enriching. One simple thing that we can do is look at their view. So I like to position my parrots at a place where they have uh, the opportunity to look out a window so they can see outside and th see things passing by. Some parrots may love to be right smack in front of that window, whereas other parrots may feel more comfortable if they have half of you, or maybe the window's here and they're along this wall. Uh, for me, I like to provide an area within their cage where they can hide behind some comfy toys so they can be secluded if they choose to, but be out in the open if they want. 
I also like to provide or offer people to provide a bird feeder outside that window so they can watch some wild birds going by. Um, the type of toys that we give to our birds, depending on the type of bird, the size of the beak, that's going to dictate some of the toys that are going to be most useful for them, what they may interact with best. Uh, you know, for me, when I think about parrots and enrichment, I think about easy, cost-effective things. And then I also think with enrichment, I generally say mess equals success. So if you provide something, some toy or something to your bird and you come home and it is shredded and destroyed, you know that you've done well by your bird. They're using their beaks as if they would in the wild to rip and tear, like they might rip bark off a branch or pick leaves off a tree or fruit out of a tree uh, or the way they might excavate a nest cavity, right? So these are all kind of the things I think about when I'm providing enrichment. That's a great answer, actually. And with all due respect to Susan Friedman, you did answer that part of the question. Uh, are things are there things we could do that don't cost anything financially? Like uh, who doesn't get an Amazon package these days? So yeah. if it's a, uh, talk about that a little bit. Yes, exactly, exactly. So again, having your bird have a view outside doesn't cost you anything. Um, putting a bird feeder outside is a minimal cost, right? Um, but recycle, 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 right? So where I worked, we had literally hundreds and hundreds of birds and hundreds of parrots. So we could not afford to buy fancy toys for these birds. So everybody on the team brings in all their recyclables, all those Amazon boxes, your cereal boxes, your granola bar boxes, uh, whatever it is, anything that's cardboard, anything that's newspaper can easily be ripped up and strung on a chain. Uh, we would just get stainless steel chains, stainless steel quick links, and we would just make our own toys. Uh, sometimes what we would do for our larger birds, we would take an untreated two by four and just put some screws on the back to hook it on the side of a cage. And we would just attach a bunch of boxes and newspaper with a drill, just smash them on there real quick. But the key was interesting things for the birds to rip and tear. Another simple, easy thing we would do, we would make a simple um, foraging box, just a little wooden box we would hang up. And any broken toys, any broken toy parts that were still safe could go in there. Some leaves might go in there. Um, we would also make our own wood. We would get an untreated pine two by four. Luckily, we had a table saw, a circular saw, circular saw can work as well. But you can slice that up into different widths based on the size of your bird and just drill some holes in it and easily string that on a chain. So there's lots of really cost effective things you can do. Um, another thing you can do is you can leave music on for your bird while you're not home. Or if you have an iPad or a TV, you might um, put some cartoons on or bird TV or other animal TV. Uh, that's a really good one. Uh, also but, using, yep, go ahead. But is it always a good one? So uh, the t television, yeah, it's free, but I know many people have told me stories that they turn on Animal Planet thinking that's a good idea. They leave the house and then it turns out the show they left on might be, say, a leopard catching birds. And, you know, the birds see as well as we do, I presume that can be terrifying. Yeah, so, so you don't know unless you look at behavior. So one of the coolest things that I've noticed these days is that a lot of people have um, some sort of camera systems in their homes, especially some of my uh, parrot clients, and they're hooked right up to Wi-Fi. So you could be sitting in your office 
uh, 15 miles away and you might be able to check on your parrot while you're eating lunch. So you can see from their behavior how they feel about those things. There might be parrots that would see something like that and flee to the back farthest corner of their cage. There might be other parrots that see it and ignore it and look out a window. So I always look to the actual animal's behavior to know if what I'm doing is something that is positive, something that they enjoy, or if it's something that's aversive, something that um, gives body language and behavior that indicates a fear response. How important is it to teach your parrot stuff? Not necessarily to talk, although that's an example, but to do things. Some of them practical, like, what do they call it, you guys? Because you're, you're the parrot expert. I'm certainly not step up, you know, when they step onto you or, mm -hmm. or trained to do certain things. And what I'm getting at is, well, when they need a veterinary exam, that way they can become accustomed to it. Yeah, so training is absolutely the best form of enrichment. Uh, it doesn't take, you don't have to be a professional to do it. It's, it's very simple. And target training is one of my favorite things. When I have a client with a new bird or a new client with a problem, a bird that has challenges, the first behavior I always, always recommend is protected contact target training. So back in the day when we talked about protected contact in the zoo world, we were talking about things like elephants or tigers that could kill us, right? So we wanted to be protected as animals. But what we've learned as we've done better at applying positive reinforcement training in the zoo world is that our animals are way more willing to do the things that we're asking them to do when they are safe from us. They're safe from us intruding on their space. So training your bird simply to take treats from your fingertips and then to touch a target stick and then earn those treats for just making tiny movements around their cage, not only do you give them amazing mental enrichment, which is so important for these intelligent birds, but you're also getting them moving. And one of the biggest health risks um, for fatalities for companion parrots is obesity. Uh, so getting your bird moving and exercising is really, really important. And then with that target training, with that simple behavior, it allows you to build so much trust that you can then move a lot quicker with behaviors like step up, uh, towel training, syringe training, scale, carrier, harness, just about any behavior that you would want to teach your bird. If you start with very simple target training and really build their confidence and build your confidence, there's you can accomplish just about anything, I think. Is, generally speaking, a happy parrot a healthy parrot? Hmm. When I look at what a healthy parrot looks like, I like to look at a holistic view. So by happy, you know, I think that's behavioral, right? So what does happy behavior look like? What does content look like? But I also look at feather condition. Uh, I also look at body condition um, and things like that as well. So not sure if that answers your question. I think it's a little bit more than just a good attitude. You know, I, I think being moving and, and learning and having good feather quality and a good diet, all those things are really important. Yeah, but the moving and learning, as you just described, helps us to have a happy parrot, quote That's unquote, true. sort of speak. Uh, I've learned a lot about parrots. This is wonderful. So good to talk to you. Cassie Molina, thank you so much. Thanks, Steve. It's a pleasure. Now, if you're already registered for Fear Free, be sure to keep up with all the Fear Free happenings, access new toolbox items, and find 
all the additional courses at fearfreepets.com. And of course, if you're not registered, find everything you need to get started at fearfreepets.com. If you're a member interested in pursuing veterinary certification, you can get more details under the same site under the Veterinary About section. And if you're a pet owner who just stumbled upon this podcast, how lucky you are to learn so much more about parrots. And you can learn even more at fearfreehappyhomes.com. I'm Steve Dale. 